everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss how nobody wants to be the asshole is a central precept for understanding why couples counseling works. And it may be a bit cynical, but it's also kind of interesting, you know, can be both. And it's not really cynical, it's more practical, you know, and uh, harnessing how people generally tend to act is not uh, cynical per se. It's really kind of just just a a wider lens, right, to understand. Because, you know, you could idealize it like things work and um, people do better after couples counseling, which most people, by the way, say that couples counseling was beneficial for their marriage. So there's like this myth that like everybody who goes to couples counseling gets divorced, but that's not what actual surveys say. Um, But anyway, most people find it beneficial. So you could say that's out of deep love for one another, or I could say it's because the therapist is so awesome and therapy is such a, you know, skilled and difficult profession and what have you, you know, but I truly think that, you know, it's neither of those as much as it is that people, you know, don't want to lose face. You know, they they want to work, at least at first, they don't want to be the asshole. And then, sure, once things start to change and get better, then, you know, they're doing it for the love of their partner and their kids and what have you. But this is a different way to think about it, and we will get more into depth about that right after I tell you to subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode is where I first touched upon this idea, how to healthy couples age well together and you can have that as well as 140 others about if you subscribe only $8.99 a month the link is always in the episode description and if that's too much then you could join the Facebook group too that's a great group of people blue subscribe button on the Facebook page of Dr. Psychma. Um, and that's where I also get other ideas from discussions. Now, people email me ideas like constantly. I cannot do that. I can't, I cannot do everybody's idea that emails me. And usually I tell those people, why don't you bring it up in the secret group? But the benefit of being in the secret group is that I do, you know, want to please those people more. Those people are in my group. So I am going to take their ideas over the ones that I am constantly emailed from, from other people. So join the group. It's only five bucks a month. Anyway, uh, moving on. So what do I mean by nobody wants to be the asshole? And how does this manifest? So usually people come into couples counseling at the behest of one partner. It isn't usually that both have just sat down and said, you know what, we could really use some couples counseling. No, it's not usually like that because it's usually due to conflict. So basically the... In, in many cases, most cases, it's the woman who says, we got to come in, we're not close enough, we don't communicate well, because women are more comfortable with talk therapy in general. Uh, they're more verbal, they talk about feelings, they've been taking relationship quizzes since they were like 12 years old, like what kind of boyfriend do you want in like teen magazine. So, you know, they they are more psychologically minded frequently So either way, women usually bring the guy in. However, when there's no sex, then the guy will bring the woman in because then it gets to the level that he's, you know, like, what the hell, are we even married? This is feels terrible. Or if she's suffering from pretty bad depression or anxiety and he doesn't know how to get her into individual, sometimes we'll come into couples. But, um, and I have podcasts about why men are unhappy in their marriages and why women are, and those usually concord with reasons that people go into counseling. And you could listen to those. But anyway, um, so one person brings the other person in. And the other person is, you know, like, basically, fuck you. You don't do enough for me that I should even think about all of these concerns. That's their original stance, usually. So, for example, the preoccupied woman avoidant man 
That's like a very common pairing, right? And so basically he is thinking, you're always mad at me. You're always following me around. This is like the podcast that I just did about the preoccupied woman and the avoidant man that you should have listened to before this one. Um, And he's like, why are you constantly up my ass about stuff? I'm trying to have a job. I'm trying to have a life. What's the problem? So he comes in already feeling kind of irritated. So if she the person who's the struggling one, right? If if we work on, hmm, I don't know, like, is this like the best way to go about it with her? Like sometimes like she's embarrassed because she's gotten like really out of control during some of the fights. That's not uncommon. So like, let's say, for example, that she works on that because a lot of women actually say, I don't want to lose my temper like this. I know it's bad for me and, I, and I, it's bad for the kids. It's bad for the kids. That's like a big motivator. So let's say that she starts to work on that. And we say, listen, you know, as much of an asshole as he could be, you still can't yell like that, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to focus on, you know, walking out of the house or calling up your mom or like various coping strategies or or do you have to see an individual therapist working on depression? Whatever, whatever. So let's say she starts to work on some of that. But then he's like still kind of being like a condescending, dismissing guy. Well, Then the therapist points that out, like, man, she's been doing some good work here. Like, you guys haven't had, like, a massive explosive fight in, like, you know, a couple weeks. So what's happening with you? Like, have you initiated any, like, emotional conversations like she wants? Have there been any date nights? What's going on there? So he doesn't want to be the asshole, right? I mean, it's a fairly obvious human sort of thing is to save face. So usually when one person does better and that's recognized by the couple's counselor, the other person's going to try to do better. I've been seeing this for years and years, you know? The person who originally said there's no problem here, so let's switch it to the other one. So the woman who doesn't want to have sex, the guy drags her in. She basically says, why should I have sex with you? You know, I don't want to have sex. That's against what I want. This is, in fact, coercive. And on top of it, you're not very nice to me. I have all these empathic ruptures that you didn't say anything nice about, including, um, I'll return to my constant example, when you left overnight when I had a baby in the hospital, right? So I say, you know, oh, this is terrible. And so, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, who the hell would want to have sex with somebody who, with, you know, who left her overnight with the baby? Do you feel bad about it? You know, and we're, he's like, well, she, she told me to go home. So I say, well, this is not good. And so, you know, she, maybe she didn't mean it. Maybe she didn't know how to talk to you. How did you grow up? How did you grow up? What are your expectations of marriage? This, that, the other. How does this play out? We talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Eventually, like, if he's like not a total asshole, right, he's going to be like, I didn't realize that, you know, leaving was bad. If I could do it again, I would. I'm so sorry. You know, I never really thought about it from your perspective. Many, many guys, healthy men, not, we're not talking about massive personality disorders in the mix. We're talking about <clears throat> Joe Average, who's confronted with this, is going to say, you know what? I didn't think about it like that. I was raised, let's say, to deny the importance of feelings. I was raised not to have any needs. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. I could see the points and uh, I'm really sorry. So then, you know, goes another week or so. It's like, hey, so you all having more sex? Because, I mean, shit, that's what you said was the problem, right? You said that was the problem. And she's like, "Uh, well, you know, I mean, and then they do. Ironically, then they do. Because why? What did I just teach you? She doesn't want to be the asshole. She's so used to being the victim 
And of course, you know, there's two victims and nobody should be the victim. We could do all of that. But either way, in her mind, she was used to being victimized by this kind of cold guy who does things like leaves her overnight in the hospital by herself, right? So you get it. Anybody could understand that. However, you know, then he apologizes. He doesn't have a time machine. He genuinely apologizes. The first couple attempts were shitty. The therapist helps him through it. He's truly saying the things that she has always wanted him to say. So then it starts to get a little awkward, you know, it's like a little embarrassing. Well, uh, shit. And it's not like her desire comes flooding back or anything. As I've taught you and told you, spontaneous desire is a very, very rare within long-term monogamy, particularly after dysfunction like this, right? So, or really at all. And so, but she's never really gotten into the headspace to really learn about responsive desire. So then she'll say something like, well, the thing is, is I'm still never in the mood. And I'll be like, oh my God, nobody is. So here's what we do about that. Responsive desire, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you guys plan to have sex? Like, you know, on Friday night. So, we, you know, we talk about it, figure out what's good for everybody's schedule. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, she'll try. Why? Because she doesn't want to be the asshole. Because it, the the narrative has changed now. So the narrative was previously he's an asshole. And so, you know, and, and with the other guy, like, so if you go back to the other couple, his narrative was that she's some crazy bitch, right? And so he can't get anything done. He can't be close to her. He can't have a normal relationship because she starts crying and screaming all the time. But what about when she stops? And then he's still not doing nice stuff. Then what we see is cognitive dissonance uh, well, first we see cognitive dissonance, and then the person tries to reduce. So cognitive dissonance reduction. It's like, well, I always thought that I was acting in this way that I kind of knew was kind of fucked up, but I thought I could do it, you know, because this person was worse, you know, was very uh, annoying and, or disrespectful or cold or whatever they are, difficult. And so now, though, the narrative is changing. The therapist has acknowledged the change in my partner. That was nice, you know, like that 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 my partner changed and the therapist is saying it, that it's nice. And so shit, I mean, it must be a change, you know, for them to recognize it. Now, now what? Now I'm becoming the focus of the session because I'm not changing. That's very uncomfortable. So I think I should change. And that's what all goes on subconsciously. And it's just like, you know, with your kids, right? So if you compliment one of your kids enough, the other kid is going to want the same kind of compliment. So they're going to do something good, too. Sometimes they just destroy what the other kid did. That's good. <laughs> you say, nice tower. If they're a little toddler, they'll kick over the tower, right? But that we're not talking about that, you know? And that does, by the way, It's I was saying that as a joke, but that happens in couples that have more of the narcissistic borderline pairing. So where there are uh, personality disorders in the mix is that they will try to... Um, uh, just deny and invalidate the other person's change, even if it's like a, a real kind of measurable change. So like a guy who, um, so so like, um, and this goes along with the fearful avoidant attachment style. So let's say that a guy was raised in a really abusive upbringing, right? And so now he has traits of, of personality disorder level stuff, like borderline or narcissistic um, 
and he can't really see things clearly. It always is that he is the victim somehow. So this could be with covert narcissism or with borderline personality. So she literally has sex with him three times in a week. And then he'll be like, well, that time wasn't good because uh, I actually initiated it. The other time I knew you didn't want to be there. And the third time you're just doing it because the therapist told you to. Now with that, then we need to go even deeper into people's family of origin stuff and work through what their patterns are and their uh, templates and the ways that they see the world because basically then anything the partner does they perceive as still so bad somehow that they are still allowed to do their their side of whatever their their dysfunctional behavior is right and so that needs to go much deeper and both people probably do also need to have individual work but either way it's not going to work as straightforwardly as it is for people who you know are more mentally stable and so for people like the average couple that is struggling, just literally being uncomfortable that, uh-oh, now you're the one who's not trying as much as your partner is, that is very, very helpful. And this is like a positive competitive vibe, and it can lead to this virtuous cycle where things get better and better and better. And so, yeah, of course, you could say, but that's like a shitty reason. That's not like a real good, like heartwarming reason for therapy to start working. Yeah, like neither is like bribing your kids like to do like anything, which of course all of us have done in one way or another. So like, does your kid really have to want to pee in the potty? No, you know, like they could do it for an M&M for sure. And then eventually, of course, they want to pee in the potty. <laughs> like that just becomes a thing that they do. So at first is the same sort of thing applies. At first, your partner could just try to get better because they don't want to be the one in couples counseling that's looked at like the asshole. At first. But then certainly over time, they see the benefits of doing it. They start to fall in love again because they're both acting better and they're both genuinely trying. Remember, this is not mutually exclusive with have developing genuine insight and uh, awareness and really like, uh, you know, like a wider perspective, empathy, like all of the things that we're trying to cultivate can be cultivated right alongside this kind of vague discomfort and cognitive dissonance when you are no longer uh, the, the victim because your partner's really trying. And by the way, this doesn't just happen once. This can happen over the course of couples counseling, you know? over a while. So then let's say they get up to where they're having sex every week and he's also planning date nights. Well then, well then what? Well then there's probably other things. You know, there's probably parenting issues and there's probably money issues and there's probably this or that. So I say, you know, she always wants you to sit down and make a budget. Can you make a budget? Well, I can make a budget because blah 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 and she's always outspending it anyway, so what's the point? So if she promises not to out to not spend for X amount, then will you sit down and make a budget? Well, then she does it, right? And then he's got to make a budget, kind of, you know, or like whatever the case may be. And this is the budget thing is a common thing people argue about. Making a budget, having a budget, who should do, decide the budget, how many times should we redo the budget? The budget is a big one. So, and I talk about financial stuff and money stuff in other episodes to, uh, you know, to go into depth on that if you're interested. But anyway, I thought this was an interesting way to think about it. And a lot of people are like, oh, what do you even do in couples counseling? You know, is it just we sit there and we vent? No, there's like, there's certainly plenty of things that you do. I mean, basic cognitive behavioral therapy, emotionally focused therapy, there's imago. I mean, there's principles of everything. And, and, uh, 
I'm more into the idea of, of using kind of what applies and what is relevant to the individual couple than doing some cookie cutter approach that's just within one sort of uh, treatment modality like uh, EFT only or like whatever. I'm not as into that. But the, the point here is there's also very, very interesting dynamics that arise just from two people sitting in front of somebody whom they respect that they have accountability toward. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that everything is out of deep love for one another. By the time you get to couples counseling, you're probably not feeling deep love for one another on the regular, right? That's the problem. So you need some kind of external help there to get motivated. And, and this is one interesting thing that I have found over the years. All right. I, I hope that you guys found this as interesting as I did. Again, please do subscribe and I will talk to you all soon. Have a great day, guys.